We're listening to Halfway There, episode number 276, Connell and Rhonda Hollins and Marriage Matters. It all shapes us. Hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I know that you are going to enjoy this conversation today. And if you are, as you're listening, you're thinking, hey, this is this is really great. I wish somebody would hear that. Would you just send them a text, shoot them, go in the app, send them a clip. If you go in the Overcast app, I just learned about this. You can actually grab a clip, the very one that inspired you, send it to somebody, share it, and let them uh, check out the show as well. We would really appreciate that. It's the highest compliment you can give is telling a friend or family member about halfway there. So I appreciate that. Uh, Today, our guests, I'm really excited about this. They are my fellow podcasters. They're one of our CPA Gold group, which is my membership for Christian podcasters. They're one of our members. And they're also first-time authors, but they do a lot of other things with with marriage. Uh, they do premarital counseling, marriage um, officiants, and relationship experts. And they've trained over 1,800 couples, which I find that's just an incredible number. That's exciting. Uh, my guests are Connell and Rhonda Hollins. Uh, hey, guys. Welcome to Halfway There. There you go. So this is fun. It's always fun when I interview two people at once, but that's good. You guys, you guys go ahead. I'll let you just do the, uh, the knowing marital look. You know, so <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? When I mean, you decide, yeah, yeah. Since it's, a, uh, since your, your topic is, is marriage kind of stuff. I feel like that should be okay. Yeah. So uh, anyway, th- welcome, welcome to the show. And I would love to hear, it's kind of, you know, some of that main stuff, but, Obviously, it's broad. So tell me a little more about who you guys are and where you are in where God has you right now. Okay. So we are Connell and Rhonda Hollins. We are from you live. From, <laughs> it's called St. John, Indiana. Yeah. Which is maybe 30 minutes from Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All so, right. So you're not. You're not far from Jen Yuren now, probably. She's. She's. No. No, not at all. That's good. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, we have been married for 13 long, arduous, hard, but beautiful years. He's, he's messing up already, but go ahead. <laughs> um, we are the parents of three amazing young men because that's all I make is young men. Oh my God. I'm trying to replenish the earth for young men. <laughs> God so knows. Um, <laughs> Ethan, 10, Aiden, Ethan, 12, Aiden, 10, and Avery, a solid six months. I know. All my boys are so cute, too. They are. They look, like, they look like their daddy too. So <laughs> we help to oversee the marriage ministry track at our home church in Munster, Indiana. Yeah. So we've been doing that for the past 13, 13 years as well. Mm-hmm. A little and bit like, over. And like you said, Eric, that has accumulated to over 1,800 couples, which when you say it like that, it seems like a lot at one time. It's a lot. <laughs> it is. It seems like a lot. But over time, you're like, you're like, you know, sprinkling 30 here, 40 there, you know, <laughs> twice a year. Yeah. So it, it adds up. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it, it does. Okay. So that's that's good. But you guys also you have a, a podcast mm-hmm. and you've written um you've written a book recently. That's that is it out or is it coming out? Oh, it's, it's out. out. Yes. It's out. It's out. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's another baby and it came out. <laughs> we, del- <laughs> we delivered. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes, no, we are the host of the Meet We Talk podcast. Yeah. 
And my wife will tell you about the book for him. Well, what I will say is first, you know, with the Me Do We Talk podcast, mm -hmm. I love that because our students were the ones that told us to do podcasting. And I remember we were mm -hmm. like, what is that? You know, we just didn't understand um, the platform at all. Mm -hmm. And then when we when we learned about it and they kept sending us information, they were sending us microphone information. They yeah. were sending us, telling us what type of equipment to get. Um, and so we said, okay, we're going to go ahead and do it. And so when we did that, um, we started, I, I felt as though from that point, we, our reach uh, got a little bit larger, Yes. Um, you know, from the people that were listening and then they were joining into our virtual classes that we do um, with the ministry. So it just all works together in God's plan, you know? And so I get excited about those things. And, and then hence, then that's when the book came about yes. and I'm proud of yeah. the book. Um, but I'm more proud of, of it because I feel like it's our love letter to Jesus, you know, like, like everything he did for us and what he, we've seen what he's done in marriages. Mm -hmm. And then we got excited and we were happy to put it on paper. Amen. So you know, say that. <laughs> that's good. Okay. So I want to, uh, we want to hear some of your stories. So I'm going to start with ladies first, Rhonda, you go first. So okay. tell me, you, you guys are in Indiana now. Are you from there? No, we're from the Chicago area, uh, we, but we left Chicago because we were evading. Uh, we don't want to pay all those high taxes out there. Right? We love them. They just cost a lot. You guys aren't, <laughs> you guys aren't Cubs fans, are you? Yes. yes. Oh, so, but you have to recognize, Eric, as a child, like you only had so many channels on television. And so WGN was everywhere. And so you you watch the Cubs, and somehow, somewhere, I became even a Notre Dame fan. Uh -huh. Like I didn't I didn't even realize Notre Dame was literally like sixty miles away from here. <laughs> but it was all those two those two sports were always on TV, and you kind of just gravitated towards it. I love the historical look of the, of the Cubs stadium, and I just love the history. Behind yes. It, so I'm just drawn to that. Yes. If you've never Sorry, been socks, I love you though. <laughs> we should be, you know, Southsiders. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, so I moved to Chicago in 1998, and I, I, our first game, actually, there were Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Oh, wow. neither yeah. one of them hit a hit a home run, but yeah, good uh, one. <laughs> and it was a great, it was a great game. Later, we did see a couple of their home runs in in another game, but I'll have to tell you some other stories about that first time. <laughs> it's gonna be able off the air, but <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. I know. Anyway, yes, so, right. so I, okay. Well, I'll forgive you for being Cubs fan. Okay. <laughs> so Rhonda, you grew up in Chicago. Tell me about that. What was that? What was that like? Was it a faith-based family? Was it, what was the spiritual climate for you? Yeah, it was um faith-based family. My, um, my parents were, were pastors. They retired now. Um, they were, first they started off in the church and they were part of the marriage and family uh, ministry first. And so when I saw that, you know, growing up, uh, we, we spent a lot of time at church. So I started not to like it as much, you know, like I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to be a part of it. I knew who God was and I loved him, but I think that he found me. I had not found him yet. And a lot of times, you know how you can be in church um, as an attender, I felt as though I was an attender for a while. And I would say, you know, in my latter years, I've become a member of, you know, of the body of Christ. And so, but it took time. And I, I, I had all these different views of what God was through my family, but I'm so happy now. I feel like, man, I see him for who he is and what he is mm. to me now, you know? Well, 
So was there a, a a moment like when did your faith start to become your own? What how'd that happen? I would say that it was just before um, I met my husband. Like I, I felt as though I was understanding who the Lord was, but I started thinking that you know it was he was almost like a tit for tat type of God. I was thinking legalistic, you know, a lot. I thought if I do this, then he'll do that. If I do that, it, this will happen. And I got into performance rather than I would say than actual being a, a follower of, of, God, of Christ. And I think a lot of times when you grow up in church and you're there, you can kind of be jaded by it if you aren't really plugged in. And I wasn't plugged in. And so when I started to get plugged in, it was, I would say it was the first time was when it's, it's two times, but the very first time was when I, I got baptized. And when I was baptized, I literally felt like I heard him in the room. And I just was like, did anybody hear that? No. And everybody kept on saying, no, they, they didn't hear it. And then I thought it was, I was like, I heard that. Like, I don't know what I, like, you all didn't hear. It. Like, I heard him speak to me. I heard him say my name and it really, it scared me. And I think in that moment, I was just like, he is so, he's more special than what I thought. And then I felt, I started to research and read the word. And then the word became living to me. Whereas before it was just something you recite. Um, and I began yeah. to look at the words and then I was able to apply it to my everyday life. And I started feeling more and more connected to him and recognizing who he was and, and how multi-layered Jesus was and how, and God and his love. And it, I started getting excited about it. <laughs> and then I would tell you the second time that I really knew who he was, was through our son, Ethan. Um, when we first got married, um, you know, Ethan was born with uh, pulmonary stenosis. And so when he was two months old, he had to have uh, open heart surgery. And so I had to, you know, I had, I thought in my mind, oh, I got all this faith. I got all this faith, but I felt myself crumbling. And I remember when they were going to take uh, Ethan in for surgery, I remember there was a chaplain room and I went into the chaplain room and because I didn't want them to take him because I started to get nervous and I just ran into the chaplain room holding him. And I just, I just prayed and I just said, Lord, please, like, how could you have done this? How could you have done this? I, I could not, I don't, I'm scared, you know, like I just couldn't, I couldn't explain it. And I told him that I would serve him all the days of my life. I was like, just please take care of my son. And, and I, uh, and I only had that talk with him by myself at that point. And um, when he came, when he went in for his surgery, they told us that originally he was, he was going to need what we call pericardium around his heart. And he didn't have enough of it as a baby. And they told us he was not going to have quality of life, that he was going to have to have surgeries every two years. And I just was finding myself as a nervous wreck. And after that prayer, and this is how good God is, you know, after that prayer that he went in for his surgery and they came out and I remember, I'll never forget the doctor coming out and saying, mother, you know, when we opened um, his chest cavity, we found an abundance of pericardium and I, we will not need to do any other surgeries. This will be the only one. And I just remember falling to the ground and I just was like, you know, he, he's always taken care of me. I have, he's never failed me. Um, and I failed me before he's ever failed me, but he's, he's never failed me. And so it just makes me love him that much more because 
he thinks of us when we're not even thinking of ourselves or what's needed. Yeah, I love that. All right, Kana, I'm going to give you a chance. So let's. So did you grew up in Chicago also? I was born in Chicago, Eric, but I actually grew up in Gary, Indiana. Okay. Hometown of Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh God, he talks about this. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> so you can moonwalk. Is that that's what I'm understanding from that? Is, is... Only when I was running from a whipping. All right, we we all can moonwalk then. <laughs> okay, so tell me about was was it a was a Christian family and what was kind of your experience? Um, my family. So <laughs> as far as my father, everyone would always say like my father was supposed to be a preacher. But obviously it just never happened because he knew he knew the word and he knew what he should be doing. But obviously he kind of went left instead of going right. Mm -hmm. So my mother would take us to church. She would have us in church, but I really wasn't a part of the church. Like she became an usher at one point, but she was kind of in and out of ushering. But I was always only there. Like I really didn't um, get involved in church when I was younger. So like I would see and, 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 and it was kind of weird because the kids in the church were kids I went to school with. So you would think I would gravitate towards talking to them and kind of interacting and doing things with them within the church, but I just never did. Like we were in church by, let's say, 1030, out by 1230, and I was straight to the car. Once 1230 hits, once he says amen, it was time to go. Mm. And I think it was simply because no one asked me to do anything more than what was in front of me, you know? No one suggested it. And so therefore, I kind of didn't gravitate towards it. So I was more of a um, attender mm. and a member. Well, how did your faith become your own, though? Um, I would say initially, so I had faith. I was baptized um, young, and I knew what I was doing when I did it. Um, I would say college, for one. When I went to college, I got with a group of gentlemen who became my fraternity brothers. And we took it upon our, because, you know, in college, you know, you kind of, I don't want to say reckless, but, you know, Monday, seven days a week, you can do whatever you want to do. You know, you're on your yeah. own now. And we literally took it upon ourselves to incorporate church in our in our routine. So we would go to church on Sundays as a, as a group. It was five of us. Every Sunday, we would go to church. But we, I mean, we would go to different churches. We would go to different churches Yeah. <laughs> while we were down there because obviously it wasn't our home church yeah. because we were in Mississippi. Um, and it was, what happened was as we were, you know, visiting these different um, houses, these the the women of the house and the men of the house would see these college kids coming in and they would actually take us in as their own. So there was this one church we frequently we frequented for literally like two years for the simple fact that like they pulled us in, like they would make dinner for us on Sundays and stuff like that, just simply because they never saw like young men coming to church like that, especially got we were all from up north. Mm -hmm. And you know, like I said, it was nothing that we had to do, but we felt like it was something we wanted to do. And in fact, all of us were like-minded enough to do it, it was like really beautiful. And then I carried that. Um, so I had that when I came back home. And but again, I fell back. Like once I wasn't around that group of friends, I kind of fell back. And like um, I would work on Sundays and things like that, simply because, you know, I, I didn't think enough to go to church. But then once I met Rhonda and like she kind of downplays <laughs> where she was at in the, at that part of our life when we met. <laughs> but she was like from, from what I saw like I know she says her faith walk wasn't what it could have been, but from what I saw, it was it was way more than mine. <laughs> so she was in the house and she kind of pulled me in. 
And like she started introducing me to different people within the house, within within the church she was going to. And I started gravitating towards those people. And then like they started asking me, like, you know, there's more to do if you want to do it. And I was like, you know, why not? You know, it's you know, so I got a, I got a friend at church and he's talking about this is good work if you want to get it. He's like, he always tells me, come get this work. Because you know, the lowest work is good work. And so through her, I was able, able to meet a group of friends in church and like for the past 13 years, like I've been going strong within it and with no end and stop, unless he calls me home first. <laughs> Amen. You know, can I say this? And it'll be brief. Um, when he says that about that, I am fired him up. I will tell you that I felt like his, his new look at, at Christ really fired me up, you know? And so I, I started looking at it from his point of view and I felt like we were kind of igniting one another, you know, to, to really run after the Lord. And then we started seeing what he was doing in our, in our lives yeah. and in the peace that we were having upon ourselves. And it just changed. It's just, I, I wish I could say it was like this huge moment, but I just felt like it was, it, it was a progression. And now we're just, we're home. You know how you feel your home and you never knew it. Like I feel home. <laughs> Yeah. So give me an example. So you said you talked about how like the things God was doing. Sounds like you were kind of sharpening one another, which is pretty, pretty awesome. That's great. Good to have in your relationship. Um, how, tell me how, uh, or what are, what are some events there that began to, uh, or like some specifics about how you began to like develop, I call it the way of Jesus, right? Like yeah. how you learned kind of to, and it, it can be practices. It can be, you know, other, other things. There's lots of things that it could be, but like moments where you're like, Oh, this is God. And I learned something about him or who he wants me to be. Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I would definitely say from the moment we joined our church's marriage ministry, like we were, we were, um, we were young in our marriage. And so like from the, from the get go, they like put us to work. Like they had us, they had us um, working with a couple who was literally three times our senior. Mm -hmm. Like they were, um, <laughs> so they were both divorced and they were coming together from being high school sweethearts some 50 some years ago. And they had us working with them as far as um, trying to have them see the different outlook from the simple fact, like they both had been stuck in their ways per se for so long. And now they would have come together um, like this 70 year old man and this 68 year old woman. So how can we blend this? Mm -hmm. And so they were just, they just wanted a fresh set of eyes to kind of give them perspective. And so they just threw us right into the fire. And so <laughs> when they did that, for one, it showed me like age doesn't matter. Like no matter how long you've been married, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, God's timing is perfect in any age. Mm -hmm. And the simple fact of the matter is there was probably something in, the, in, in there was, but in that moment, there was something that us being a, a young couple being not even six months married, there was something we could show them, something we could teach them. And though we didn't know it at the time, it was something we could learn from them as well. Yeah. So it, it was just like it was just it was just God like showing us both sides of the spectrum, like the young spectrum and the and the one we were trying to get to. Mm -hmm. So it kind of came full circle for me in that moment, knowing like because in my mind, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I can talk to the youth, I can talk to someone in my age bracket and <laughs> someone I can really touch and feel. Mm -hmm. Like, why they got me talking to someone like my grandfather? You know? like, <laughs> we didn't someone know someone that can teach me. But it goes to show, like, we're all students at heart. Yeah. Yeah. I think also it was just like nothing's impossible. You know, like, it didn't matter what stage, love is there, you know. And 
And I think they taught us what foundational love looks like, like how to keep something long term. And then I think we learned, we taught them how to, you know, keep the fire, keep, you know, have the, like my husband said, those fresh set of eyes. And we still talk with them, but we, you would be surprised. We have quite a few couples that are in our class, but they're always, um, the majority of them are older than us. Mm -hmm. um, it's either, it's either, you know, younger than us or older than us. And we have that. And we've been, we've been finding ways that we all together teach the room. And I, I love that. And I love that everybody has their own story and their own perspective. And, you know, Jesus was a master storyteller. And I think that I loved how he always taught you where you were, you know, and, and he could bring you to where you can go next. So, yeah, Amen. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. I think that's great. Um, so I'm interested in uh, kind of some of the things that you've learned as you've, as you've been doing this, because this kind of became really at least your online presence, as far as I know, I mean, this yeah. is the marriage ministry. This is the thing you guys do. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you've learned that you've had to learn the hard way in mm. marriage and about marriage and that, that you help uh, other people navigate? Mm. Okay. Um, I would say the communication piece. Oh my goodness. Yeah, what we would say like the unspoken rules, you know, like you, you may have your own, you have your own expectation of what you think marriage is going to be and what your mate should know. Mm -hmm. And then you get upset with them when they don't know it, when they just don't get it. And uh, we had that 100%. It was like, especially right after we had Ethan, our first son, when we had him, I remember Connell. Now, Eric, I'm about to tell on him. <laughs> Connell tried to come in. I think he was trying to, he was going out with his friends. I had just had the baby. I was, uh, I was so tired. I was sleep deprived. And his friends called him up and said, hey, let's all go out. And it was like, what do you mean? When are you going to go out? And he said, it was like at almost midnight. It was almost midnight. And they were going to, they were getting ready to start their night. <laughs> I remember thinking like, is he crazy? Like, does it like, is this the life he wants to live? Is this what we're going to be? And so I just kept walking around, you know, slamming things, being real passive aggressive, trying to show him I was upset with him going, just assuming he would know that that would, that that's not the right thing. I never communicated it to him but yet I was still angry in that that moment mm -hmm. and I'll let Connell pick up from here but you know we end up having a what we call a heated fellowship moment right where we <laughs> where I was just like no this this is not the way that I want to be treated but I remember it just went everywhere like it went everywhere in that moment and so I learned the hard way that I can't just assume that he knows what I, I need and likewise um, he can't assume. And so we, we got into that whole, teach me how to love you. Uh, teach me what you're saying. Like, what does this mean when you do this? <laughs> so, so in doing so, we created like visual training um, as far as communication, because that's like 70% of your communication is nonverbal. So we just started saying, okay, so what does this look like? Am I mad? Am I happy? Or, is, you know, we just kept showing all these different faces. And then in doing so, we came up with that training. And then we do that with all of the couples or we'll say one word the same different ways. So like we might say, shut up. And then we go, shut up, right? Or we go, shut up, you know? And so we would have each one of those there. And we say, what is that, what is that saying? It's one same word, what does it mean? You know, so um, that I would say, we learn the hard way, but we hope no one else learns that way either. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, hands down here, uh, communication has been like the hardest but greatest part about marriage mm -hmm. from the simple standpoint that I know I, before Rhonda, 
I never knew how to talk to anybody. And I say that because I never had to. Like I, I would always be used to just having one word conversations or I didn't have to explain myself. I didn't have to like do anything except, you know, just say hi, bye. And, and then also it goes back to childhood because we only know what we know, right? So in childhood, nobody ever asked me my opinion. So I wasn't used to having one, especially when I got married, you know, it, it's, it's different when you're trying to convey your opinion to somebody or your feelings to somebody when you've never been able to express yourself growing up. So like, I had to learn how to communicate like early on in my marriage, otherwise we were gonna like fall. Like she was saying, like I thought I was gonna go out that day. And needless to little did I know, once we communicated, maybe I'll try another time at a more reasonable hour. But see, I, I, I was so used to watching my parents' relationship. And you know, that's another thing we kind of take from our parents into our own and kind of find out what works and what doesn't. And I didn't realize that my parents were working with the, functional dysfunction mm. but you know you don't see that as a kid you only see you know let's just say the good things you mm -hmm. know and things of that nature so we really had to like find out our own communication style and what worked for us and that was really hard in the first few years mm -hmm. i'd also say learning to keep other people out of your out of your business like you know you have to we we said we had a whole new covenant. It was like mind thine own business, you know, like because it was very hard. Cause you know, you you want to be upset with one another. And then it, it you don't want if you go outside and tell someone else what's going on in your marriage, um, and they're not equipped, meaning like they they're not for both of you, if they're just one, one for one or the other and they're biased, they're gonna always give biased answer, no matter how how much don't put them in that situation where they have to judge between yeah. both of us. So we're very, um, we, we have kingdom counsel, but those, that kingdom counsel we have, it, it, they're for both of us, the same thing, um, whom we both can trust into so that we can both talk to them. And they, we know that they're both for our marriage <laughs> and go for that so that we're not, we're not putting someone in the opposition of God. Cause if you think about that, you know, that scripture, let no man separate, right? I think about that. That means you can't come against it either. Meaning I can't, he right. can't either. And, and so if we put a family member in the middle of it, they're gonna, if we put them next to God, they're surely gonna lose. So um, that, was, that was another tough one. And we talk about that quite a bit in our, our classes. And I think we've helped people uh, help their in-laws go from, from outlaws to uh, in-laws. <laughs> I playfully call my in-laws. Uh, right? Oh, I got a joke for you, Eric. Oh, here he goes. What's the difference uh, between an in-law and an outlaw? An yeah. outlaw is wanted. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Exactly. I call them that. It's my joke, but it's uh, it's just my. Uh, but anyway, I get it. Okay, so I also love what you said. Heated fellowship moments, like that's fantastic. That's the not, that's the kindest way to put right. out an argument I've ever heard. Like that's fantastic. So we'll. Uh, okay. So that's good. So, so, but you guys kind of were, it sounds like, uh, so I, I have a couple of things. One, it sounds like you kind of were thrust in this role like uh, pretty early and it became kind of part of something God was doing in, in, in your life and like, okay, we're, we're doing it. And you were able to do that. So this is the second thing, uh, in the context of just being able of, of figuring it out for yourself, right. While you're where you're going, okay, we're, um, you know, like we're learning how to communicate and we have to, we have to do that well. And maybe you didn't do that well, you know, at times or, or whatever, that's, that's yeah. how you learn. Right. 
Um, and you know, I love that. I love your point too, Connell, about family of origin that has such a such an impact, and we mm-hmm. don't even know. We just have no idea what is actually what the expectations are. My wife and I, for instance, we have very different. She's like her her family yeah. will do stuff together. My family never did stuff, oh, yeah. together, right? And so she's like, we never do anything. I'm like, because <laughs> her dad was the one who did all that. So she asked me to do it, and I'm like, I can't. I, I don't know, man. I just don't know what to do. So, that's you. Yes, that's yes. you. Okay. Hey, hey, what's funny? That's quality time it's, for me. Watch the TV together. That's quality time. That's right. We're watching yeah. the same show. It, you know, we're eating popcorn. We we each have a family. Yeah. This is quality time. I get it, but so but we have to learn. Yes. You have to navigate yeah. those things, right? And so we've 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 had to figure that out too. I get that. Okay. Well, so so as you, as you've kind of been growing, I'm curious. One of the questions I always ask is about Dark Knight of the Soul. Have you have you had a season when you felt like God was far away, or you felt like He was kind of you were in a spiritual desert or dry. I mean, there's lots of things people mm-hmm. call it, but you, you recognize the season. Like you have either of you had one of those or both? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I know I have. Um, and I think it was when I think it was right after, and I, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was postpartum um, because it wasn't, I was so happy about the baby, but I was trying to figure out like, and I think we've we've gone through it and discussed it. He and I have, Connell and I. But I was trying to figure out, you know, what are those, you know, those good things versus God things? Because I, I felt as though we were doing a lot of multiple things and being and doing busy work, mm-hmm. but was it God's work? And I remember, like, you know, Lord, do you hear me? Am, am I saying what's right? And I ended up recognizing and, and Connell and I were praying and I just loved when he prayed over me because I felt like when Connell prayed over me, he was hugging me that I felt like that broke off of me in a sense. It was the most intimate moment is when he prays over me, in my opinion, I'm, I'm most attracted to him in there because I feel protected. Um, and I think what it was is that I wanted to make sure I wasn't doing it uh, my own way rather than we always say like we say it was that I was doing my way instead of Yahweh you know and I <laughs> and I, I was I, I was thinking I was going back into that old habit of things um, but when I recognized I, I don't know if you've ever read that book by uh and Franklin Acres of Diamonds um, it's a good book and it talks about the diamonds that are right beneath your feet like you you might not even know what you have or what the solid ground that God is putting you on. It's about being grateful. And I felt like when we were praying and we were talking and I was saying, Lord, what is it, what is it that you want me to do? I had to let my voice come down. I had to decrease so that he could increase um, in my life. And, and I was putting it off on my husband, you know, like, you know, when you're weak, I was putting it off on him. And so I felt like he was limping. I was limping along and he was carrying me over the, the finish line. But I, Think that's what the beauty is in marriage you know where i'm weak in those areas he's strong he can lift me up and then vice versa and i really felt like you did like that really touched me in my heart but i have felt like oh my goodness lord am i doing what you want me to do and i, I will overanalyze it um in my personality but thank god he loved me through it i'm talking about him because it was it was hard and i know it i was like i'm annoying to me so i gotta be annoying to you you know um, but I just felt like his patience uh, brought me back. You know, I love you for that. 
No, I'm gonna have to agree. Um, right after we had the baby, we had like a maybe a 30 or 60 day window where we were just kind of like not here together. We weren't on the same page. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot that went into it, you know, three kids, a baby now, <laughs> um, lack of sleep, lack of eating, God. <laughs> um, work, trying to figure out um, day, not daycare, but childcare. And just, you know, life was just getting in the way of this, of, of this marriage, mm-hmm. of, you know, the covenant of marriage. Mm-hmm. And we really had to like, just take a step back and really kind of like really start putting our ducks back in a row. Yeah. Because, you know, the devil attacks your communication first. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he was trying to do. He was like, like how she was saying, you would say one word and it could mean three different things. Mm-hmm. So it like you would start taking offense to the, to just the weirdest things. Yeah, it was and coming out of nowhere. So we really just had to take a step back, pray on it and like really realize like, like though we're like 10 years removed from having a baby, like we can do this. Like we, we've got this, this is, <laughs> this is like riding the bike. Let's just get back on this bike and get it going. And like really kind of like find our way again. Yeah. And like once we kind of calm down and let the dust settle, it kind of just fell back in place. Yeah. Well, yeah, give us some things because it's really common to have those seasons Mm -hmm. in marriage, right? Like I was just describing, you know, not that this is where we're at, but the first three days this week, my wife and I are going opposite directions Mm -hmm. every night, right? We're doing different things. And so we have those times when communication is hard or you're just kind of not there. Give us some tips or some things that people can do for when those things happen and how we can get Okay. Um, I say first and foremost, um, have a plan in place. And I say that from the standpoint of like have at least one day out the week where everything else kind of goes by the wayside. And it's just about you two, whether that be a couple hours at the end of the night, once the kids are asleep, because what we like to do is like um, we call tub Tuesdays mm-hmm. where we kind of just like, we put the kids to bed a little bit earlier and we kind of focus in on each other because again, you can get lost in communication or you can kind of get lost throughout the week with the monotony of the week mm-hmm. and you kind of forget to have a conversation with the person closest to you yeah. and you because you know we're um <laughs> it's a dance because you know it's just a dance we're doing yeah like we know the kids gotta be here you know we have church on wednesday this that and the other mm-hmm. and so we're so used to like doing this dance that you just kind of start going through the motions yeah and it's just, yeah it's like almost like they're on autopilot yeah but when we do tough tuesdays we're just in the tub it's just us we're communicating and of course we're talking towards marriage, but if you're in the tub and everything, and then immediately, whatever is on our mind, we say everything, anything that's bothering us, anything we're happy about, you know, we let it, we let it go. And then when we drain out the toilet, it's supposed to all the go toilet. away. To the toilet, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, we drain the tub. Whatever. It's, it's not our thing, I promise. But in the tub, we will drain <sighs> The and afterwards, all of that goes with it. I was thinking yeah. flush. I know, <laughs> but yeah, that is real. That's work for us. And we have date your mate nights. Like mm-hmm. I, I, my husband and me, we always say, "You got to date me still." What it took to, to, you know, to get me is the same thing it takes to keep me. So we, we, and he says it both ways. I mean, this man, he's a very expensive date sometimes. And so, <laughs> I, you know, I'll take him. So we'll, we'll do something where it's just us. Mm-hmm. And then we have our, um, our date night with our boys. And so we call it, um, you know, happy Sunday, you know? And so we go out with the boys and so that they recognize we need time, you know, we need time with you, but we also need time for us. Cause if, as long as this is working, the rest of the family is going to work. And, yeah. and so 
And that's that communication piece, making sure the kids always uh, know where we're at. Like, I, I'm very honest with my boys. I'm like, you know what? Mom's got a lot going on this week, but mom hasn't spent any time with dad or, or, or Connell will say the same thing to them. And so they'll remind us, they'll go, did you guys have your date? You know, yeah. <laughs> and we'll be like, oh no, we didn't have our date yet. They're like, they'll do this. <laughs> like, you gotta have your date back <laughs> So, um, no, those are some of the things that we do, I think. Well, and I have one more, Eric. Uh, Eric, there's a club for everything. I want you to know. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong for a man or a husband mm-hmm. to join the flower club. <laughs> Flowers go a long way, so I've learned. Because the old me, the 2019, early 2020 me, <laughs> thought that flowers just die after three days. But no, Eric, they last seven days. <laughs> And it's okay to give your wife flowers on more than just a special occasion. Yeah. That's what I've learned. Yes. And then I would say you, you got to flirt. We flirt a lot. So what we'll do is literally, like, I will That's flirt. And I, I flirt with Connell all the time. I'll say, look at you. You're looking, looking pretty good, you know? And, and I, I pop him up and... Because it's I'm I'm pumping myself up if you really think no, about it. No, that's a good point, and that's very intentional, especially in front of our boys, because we want to make marriage look good to them, so they desire it one day. Yeah. So we purposely true. kiss in front of each other, and we purposely flirt with each other, just so they can be like, "Oh, look at mommy and daddy." <laughs> but they'll have those things to fall back on because, like I said, you know, Train we're training them up. Mm-hmm. And since I I know for a fact I didn't have these things when I was a child, like seeing it now and doing it for them oh, yeah. lets me know they're going to carry it forward you know, in the long run, because they talk to us constantly about the type of woman they want to marry, name of the kids they're going to have and things of that nature. Yeah. And that's very intentional. Yeah. Amen. What he said. <laughs> Can I quote you on that? Uh, that's great. Okay. So there's a, there's a flower. It really a flower? is. Yeah. 1-800 flowers. Yeah. I sent him flowers too. You, you can join the club. <laughs> I sent Connell flowers. <laughs> oh, man. All right. That's good. Very good. Uh, well, cool. So I love that. Now you guys recently, you, or we talked a little bit earlier that you wrote a book and you just put out marriage yes. material pre and post marital training guide. So tell us about kind of what the impetus behind that was and what you're hoping people get out of it. Well, I would say it was during really around 2020, I think is when we were really thinking about it, it was right when the pandemic happened mm-hmm. and when we, we, we had the shelter in place order that came about and all of a sudden all of these couples um, were now stuck with one another and they had to deal with whatever the issues that they were dealing with, you know? And we always say that, and it's still one of our biggest episodes on our podcast, but it's, uh, I love you, but I don't like you right now. And, um, you know, we were, we, we started having so many people contacting us, like, uh, they're always here. I hate the way they chew their food. Um, they're, they're always right around me and stuff like that. We were like, dang, you know, like, this is a lot. This is a lot of information. And, and we were recognizing that certain relationships were thriving and then cer- certain, you know, relationships were not. They were, mm-hmm. they were starting to crumble uh, under the duress of what was happening to, you know, globally, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's when we first start saying, like, I wish we, we could tell people or easily give them something so that they would know how, what to go to. Like if they're going through this struggle, they can, they could, they could go here and read this. And, and we were, and we were really going back and forth on it. And then um, we, we went to sleep and it was after we had a really long uh, coaching session with a couple. Um, And I think they all were having the same problems and we were like, man, we got to talk about this. And so 
then we came up with the title uh, marriage material because we, wouldn't it be great to know what to do or what marriage material looks like beforehand so that you can so that you can uh, prevent yourself from heartache during marriage not that it won't happen but if you could prevent it then you could read this and then kind of understand so yeah and so we just kind of took the tips from it we broke it down into 11 weeks of training yes. uh similar to what we do in our prep for marriage class and we really hit on things we hit on what is a material girl you know what what, what is a, a material witness um and that's somebody that you know is really good kingdom counsel how do you find them what do they look like what do they what does their spirit say to you and um, and then we said size does matter, and we're not talking about rings and things like that. But size matters, and uh, we'll tell you more about that. But it's more about the heart. So yeah, we we talk about a lot of different things um, because all the other things can be superficial, and and that's what when marriages crumble is when it's built on superficial, not on the everlasting. You know. Amen. Amen. Everything she said, I, I, I co-signed. Oh, you that. did that. You did. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just it's crazy to think. Oh, it's not even crazy, but it's amazing to think that we all go through the same thing, the same struggles, mm -hmm. just at different times of our life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So especially in marriage, like there's different seasons of marriage and we all, in that first season, we all kind of go through that same thing. What's that power struggle and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so like the book was just putting it all in one place. So they know like, it's not just you, mm -hmm. you know, we've been through it. Like you were saying earlier, like things we can tell them so they don't have to go through. It. Mm -hmm. So there it is right there. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that's what, even when we came up with our name for our podcast and for our ministry, Me to We, we always talk about like the wedding day. Everybody gets excited about the mm -hmm. wedding day, right? Or people talk about the demise of a relationship a lot when it may, when it's a, a divorce because a divorce is a death of a marriage. Everybody always talks about the beginning. They always talk about the end, but we never talk about that in between enough, you know? And when we had went to, you know, a funeral down South, it was for Connell's dad. And we were looking at his gravestone. I remember it was talking about the sunrise of his, um, of his, of when he was born and then the sunset. And then it was this little bitty dash that represented his life. And that was profound to me. I'm like, well, you know, he, he lived a full life. Why do we just put that dash there? And I think that's when we start talking about me to we, because we wanted to talk about the transitions to life, you know? It makes sense to me. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Everything important in life happens in that, in that little yes. space. Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's it. And the, the, the big moments are the ones that we tend to memorialize, but the small moments are the ones that yeah. we have in life. And that, that's where uh, so much is powerful. So I think if you're, but it sounds to me like you guys are doing is helping people, um, to make the most of those moments so that you have, um, you can appreciate them and that it makes all the, all the big moments that Amen. much better. So I, I think that's fantastic. in your words, Eric, I love how you just, yes, <laughs> he did yes. that. He did that. <laughs> that was a beautiful soliloquy. Is that yeah, you, yeah. You can say that. I like that. You put that out there. <laughs> well, I like being behind the mic. What can I say? What are, what are you going to do? But th thank you. I appreciate that. So I, I love it. I, so people can get the, the book. Again, it's called Marriage yeah. Material. Uh, website, marriagematerialbook.com. Yes, yep. Marriagematerialbook.com. Or they can get it from Amazon and they can have it in two days. I, I love it. I love the uh, the red theme too. That's uh, that's fantastic. So very good. Well, I love it, guys. Thanks for sharing a little bit of your story and how you got to where you are today. I hope that the book does really well. Um, is there anything you want to leave us with? 
Hmm. Um, from my standpoint, I want to just say for those who are married, those those of your listeners that are married, mm-hmm. um, marriage is what you make it, as people always say. Mm-hmm. But it is a long conversation checkered by disputes. <laughs> but just don't be afraid of those conversations. Yeah, like we have to have them to kind of just keep sharpening each other. And we have to have them because we have to keep learning each other. Because once we think we know our mate and we've learned them enough, then we get stale, we get stagnant. And then you get to those points, like if you think about it, the highest rate of divorces right now are those gray hair divorces because the kids are gone. Mm -hmm. So what do we have to talk about? What do we have in common anymore? So like have those conversations, keep it spicy. (laughs) And know that the marriage bed is undefiled because because Christ said so and you know, it's a good thing. Yeah. I would just say I love love. And if you if you really are in love, we want you to understand that God is love. And yes. so if you're expressing it in, in your relationship, I really wish that love was like a pool and I would like backstroke in it. So I would tell you the same thing, like fall in love with love and then you will you will bring the most out of your mate and your mate will bring the most out of you. So it's okay. We have we've seen many relationships survive we always say this but we have never seen a marriage thrive without god at the center of it so just remember that have god at the center of your relationship and you can do anything nothing is impossible with god so that's amen i love that friends i hope that you're encouraged and will go out and pick up marriage material uh again get it amazon or halfwaytherepodcast.com i've got links for you as well in case you're doing dishes and you don't want to remember it you've you've You've, you've got it. It's there. Trust me. I got your back. So, hey, Connell and Rhonda, I appreciate you guys. I love what you're up to. And thanks for being here. Oh, we love you too.